If only life were a straight path to our desired destination, wouldn't life be so much easier? Yeah, maybe. But those unexpected zigzags in our path teach us that life's tough struggles have greater purpose than we ever imagined. Stories and strategies are our focus for season four. Zigzag in One host, Melanie Brown, chats with courageous women who share their stories of encountering zigzags and how they fought to overcome them. Be assured, their stories will inspire and encourage you. But we know warm and fuzzy feelings aren't enough to equip you to fight those challenging zigzags in your path. So, this season, our guests are joining us for another episode to share strategies, mindsets, and habits that strengthened and empowered them during their toughest seasons. Join us in declaring, zigzags may interrupt our path, but they will not deter us. We will keep moving forward. Welcome to the Zigzag in One podcast. Today's episode is a collision of my passion for sharing the stories of overcomers with my passion for and decades of working with students who struggle. My guest, Risa Owens, sent me an email after hearing me describe my ministry and podcast at the Blue Lake Christian Writers Conference. When I saw an email from her, I quickly opened it so I could read what she had to say. I read her story and my heart broke knowing incorrect label put on her as a young child created limits, but it also further ostracized her from her peers. But then I kept reading and my heart rejoiced. In her book, The Heart That Grieves of a Little Girl Lost, Risa details the zigzags she's faced throughout her life. While the other zigzags Risa has faced are important to her story, we're just focusing on the educational zigzags in our interview today. A moment ago, I said my heart both broke and rejoiced when reading Risa's email. It rejoiced because Risa knew God was walking with her throughout her journey. She credits him for her hope and the determination that she held on to, to fight, to overcome. Y'all, she's simply amazing. I'm excited to share with you my conversation with author, speaker, and friend, Risa Risa, it is so good to see you again. We were at the Blue Light Christian Writers Conference just a few short weeks ago, and I enjoyed meeting you immensely. As a special ed teacher, your story hit me right between the eyes, and I knew that we had to talk and share your story on the podcast. So welcome. Well, thank you, Melanie, for having me. I am so excited to be here and to tell my story. It has been a long time coming to get just to be able to be here to tell it to hopefully millions of people. Many people are going to be amazed at what you have gone through how you have fought to overcome way before you even knew what it meant to fight to overcome. So that tells me it is so ingrained in you. That's what makes your story and you 
so beautiful. I'm just telling you, it's just incredible. So let's get started. Okay. It goes all the way back to when you were in your mom's tummy. So start there, if you will. Okay. Well, first of all, my mother was not supposed to be able to have any more children. When she got sick, they didn't think that she was pregnant. So they went to do all kinds of tests. They did x-rays, GI tests, and lo and behold, what did they find on the x-rays but me? (laughs) Well, due to all those testing, they not knowing in the early 60s that a fetus or a baby should not be exposed to radiation. They didn't think twice, so my mother had a difficult pregnancy, and she wasn't gaining weight. She just, the doctors were fearful that she wasn't going to make it, and I, I was not going to make it. In about her sixth or seventh month, they started telling her that I was not going to make it. Toward the end of her seventh month, she went into labor. That's when early. She got, yes, it was. When she got to the hospital, the doctor said, well, there's no way you have that baby yet. It couldn't weigh more than a pound. It's, it's just going to die. Well, her water broke. She lost all of her amniotic fluid. Everything just, it went, it just went crazy. And the doctor said, well, Miss, Miss Owens, there's just no way that baby is going to die. So they sent her home, gave her some medicine, said by in the morning, you will miscarry, just miscarry into the commode, flush the remains into the sewer system, and it'll all be done and over with. Mm. When she told me that, I couldn't imagine a doctor telling a mother to flush the baby into the sewer system. I was never told exactly what she did, if she took the medicine or what she did. So about a month later, she shows back up at the hospital, still pregnant. Wow. In labor again. Well, the same doctor was there at the hospital. He looked at her and he said, there's no way you can still be pregnant. Well, Miss Owens, you're going to be delivering a dead baby tonight. There's no way that baby could have survived in the womb for over a month without no amniotic fluid, without any nutrients, without anything. She is or it is going to be dead. So a couple of hours passed. She delivered a little girl, being me, very much alive and weighing in at five pounds. That is just incredible it was especially in 1962 they did not have the medical science the technology to take care or to even know what was going to happen at that point in your book I remember reading what the doctor said if you wouldn't mind sharing that he looked at her and he said Miss Owens if I had not witnessed this myself I would never have believed that your child would have been born alive. She is a medical miracle because there is no way she could have lived. She is a miracle because medical science tells us that she couldn't have lived. She couldn't have made it this past month. My mother being my mother (laughs) just looked at it and with her dark 
glossy eyes. She didn't say a word to him. And I want to say that you are definitely a medical miracle, but but you're also a miracle from God because there is Uh, no other explanation for how you survived an entire month without the amniotic fluid. Yes. So praise God. Amen. And as we continue on your story, the next five years, you spent a ton of time at the doctor's office, in the hospitals, going through testing. And tell me why that was necessary. They had no idea that I was born with birth birth defects because they were not visible. Due to the radiation from the x-rays and the month in the womb, it caused me to be born with a immune system disorder. Hmm. And it caused me to be sick all the time. And then besides that, I did not start talking until I was four years old. And they couldn't figure out why I was not talking. Then after that, my right eye was what they called a lazy eye back then. But at the same time, they didn't know I couldn't see out of it. Wow. So all that combined, they were just floundering for a reason why all this was going on. And then once they started finding out the conditions of my birth, the doctor's like, oh, well, that's the reasons right there, but we don't know what to do about it. There we were in, what, 1965, 66, and they still didn't have the technology. And then I started having bad headaches, a lot like I do now, the migraines, and they found a tumor in the front of my brain. They just sent me home to die again. Goodness. Like they said to begin with, she's she's dead in your womb. It's inoperable. We can't do anything for her. So just take her home and make her comfortable. This was at four to five years old. And in your book, you said, they gave up on me. They gave up on me, yes. That's what I felt. Everybody gave up on me. My parents, the doctors, Everybody gave up on me and I just I just laid there with them headaches and I remember wanting to die at five years old. I just wanted to die. I cannot even imagine at that young age having to go through that kind of pain. As we continue on your story, at six years old, your mom and grandmother took you to the school to enroll you. And then it got a little interesting. Tell me about that. Yes. Well, when I finally did start talking, I had a severe speech impediment. When it got time for me to go to school, well, back then you got to go in and meet the principal with your parents. Well, by then I was real shy and timid and scared of strangers because I didn't get to meet any because my family kept me secluded. When the principal heard me try to talk to my grandmother, he's like, what is wrong with her speech? Well, my mother told in the story. Well, I think she needs to have some testing first. So they sent me for testing. They put me in a room with a strange man I didn't know. And then I got a headache. Well, I didn't do very good on the test. I scored one point below the national average that said that you were smart or you were retarded. One point. So they classified me as mentally retarded. So therefore, I couldn't go to school. As they put it, we don't have a school for kids like her. 
Wow. So she can't go to public school. So I had to wait another six, six, seven, eight, two and a half years before I could go to school. And then it was in Fairhope, Alabama, when they sent me to school with the severe mentally retarded children. That is so heartbreaking. I remember reading in your book, it said, I was totally a little girl lost in the mazes of my own life, not knowing where to go or what to do. That sentence just crushed me, thinking about you as a little girl, not understanding what's going on with yourself. You don't understand, and you're in pain, and you're sickly, and then you get put in a classroom. Were you excited about going to school? No, I was not. I did not want to go. I was comfortable in the life that my family had made for me. You know, I didn't have to deal with outside people. I was just comfortable. It was good there. And then they threw me into the school with all these children that acted so different from me. I felt like I was in a whole different world than what I knew for the past six years. And But then eventually I got used to it. Then I met other kids that was like me that were not retarded. Uh-huh that they were just like me. They were put in the same school. And we kind of formed a a bond with each other. And then when I started to learn, when I started to go into speech therapy and I got to where I could talk, then I started to enjoy it. Before that, I hated it. But when I started to learn how to count, how to learn, how to read, how to talk, then it it became enjoyable. Were the activities challenging to you, helping you to learn and grow? I know the very first little bit, you needed to learn how to count and all of those things. But as time went on, because I think you were there for six years, if I'm correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay. But by that point, were you being challenged and, and given activities and lessons that were meaningful to you? Yes. Uh, actually, they were sending me to other classes with smaller children and helping them. Wow. Yes. Um, they were telling me that I was good with the smaller children and helping them to complete their lessons, complete their activities. And then in your sixth year at this special school, they had a meeting with your parents and told them, we've done some testing. And here's what we found, if you could share that. Yes, they um, they finally realized that I was not retarded. I was just had a, a slight learning disability, and that being mainly in math. And that they wanted to use me as a test case. If I could go to summer school in a public school and make, at the minimum, a C in seventh grade English, then they would then transfer me over into the public school system. I, I love this part, Risa. I loved this part so much. Well, at first, you know, I was not too sure about it because I had already been bullied by some of those those kids when at public school for being, you know, for going to the school I was going to. So at first I was like, hmm. But then that determination that I had to show everybody that who I was and who I was not, 
I finally, I'm like, okay, I'll do this. Well, I went, I did that semester, and I walked out of that class with an A plus. I with an A plus. Love this. I walked out of that class. I showed them all. Yes, you did. I was cheering when I read that part of your book. As a special educator, that's the biggest thing is when the students that I work with go above and beyond and they're determined and they blow it out just like you did. And I was so excited for you. You showed them. You did. And it said in your book, and I love this sentence, I was determined to become more than what had been spoken over me all those years ago. That is so powerful, Risa, so powerful. Well, you know, I had an incident that happened that, that made that determination rise up in me. And I, and I was, I was determined that my family, other kids, people that knew me had spoken, put labels on me. Yes. And I was just not going to bow down and let that happen. I was determined. I turned humiliation into determination. Woo! Like that. (laughs) And, you know, I was just, I was going to beat it. And you did. Yeah, well, um, I became a single mother. And that was one thing that I didn't think that I could do. First, I was scared to death. I was like, oh, life has not prepared me for this. And I'm like, unbeknownst to to me, you know, God had prepared me for being a single mother because everything I'd been through since a child on up had prepared me to be a single mother. So I raised a, a, a daughter on my own, and she's become a very contributing member to society. And I have dealt with health issues all my life, and I have become an author. Yes, and that's I've how written. I know you. Yeah, I've written two books on my third, working on a few more. That is amazing. Because if you travel back to where you were educationally in that you've really honed in on the English language to write books that are published and to speak to audiences and both of those things, while someone who is mentally retarded and I, I continue to use that word, even though it's not socially acceptable anymore. And in, in, in the educational world, intellectual disabilities, I use it because that's the terminology that was spoken over you. Those those people certainly could write and speak, but it would be very, very challenging for them. And you have gone way past what was spoken over you. That, my friend, is an overcomer the tenacity and the determination that you have exhibited through all of this is because God is such an important part of your life. And I want to spend a little bit of time talking about your faith and how that has been a go-to for you throughout all of these challenges. When I met God, he took a very angry, wounded, and hurt young woman and turned her into, well, what I am today. But I I very much lean on my faith and love for God. He healed me in so many ways. He healed me of the learning disability. I'm almost positive of that. 
What, how the, do you, how do you um, quantify that? I'm just very curious. Through the six years at the um, special ed school, when I was struggling to learn, it's just like one day a light bulb come on. Mm-hmm. And I began to learn. Then I just started learning. Do you still struggle with math, though? Um, no, not like I did back then. So you've um, learned some strategies to help you with reading and writing and math. Yes. Well, let's just put it this way. I, I didn't graduate from high school back then because when I got pregnant with my daughter, I was so sick. I had to leave high school because, uh, see, I was like two, three years behind in school because I was so late going. Yes. About 10 years ago, I went back to get my GED. Good for you. Well, every, everything had turned over to Common Core math. <laughs> I'm laughing because, oh, my goodness, <laughs> how much time I spend in tutoring. Uh, oh, my goodness. students who are struggling with that. I'm just looking at this stuff like it's Greek. Well, I made it through and got my that GED. Is, that is great. So that's why I, I say God healed me of the learning disability. I made it through to be born. He he healed a wounded heart and spirit. He healed me of a brain tumor because to this day, when they do an MRI for my headaches now, they don't even see what that brain tumor was. They don't even see a scar that it was ever there. I mean, he has healed me so many times over. Wow. So my faith in God is very strong. He is my go-to. He is my best friend. He is my husband. Yes. You know, I look to him as my husband because I have been single for most of my life. Yes. Do you have a go-to verse? Yes. Isaiah 43, I think it's four. I have given men in exchange for you. I have loved you and you are precious in my eyes. Yeah. Um, Love it. I was actually watching Joyce Myers one day and she quoted that verse and I'm like, that's not in the Bible. <laughs> and I went and found it and sure enough it was. And that is that has been my verse for years now. And, I would um, say that you are precious in his sight. He has done yes. amazing things in and through you. It's just incredible. Yes. And he also healed the relationship between me and my mother. We did not have a good relationship and that come at the end of her life, but it still happened. So, I mean, God is just amazing. As we wrap up, let's talk about what your one takeaway would be. That one thing that you want those who are listening to remember about your story. What would that be? I would say that no matter what you've been through, no matter what, others might say about you always remember what's important is what God thinks about you yes indeed and that and that you can do anything anything all things are possible through God hey I'm living proof that all things are possible through God if you just believe and lean on him anything can happen anything can be done at the end of the show, we always go out with our tagline. Would you be willing to share that? Yes, ma'am. 
when life zigs and zags, keep moving forward. Excellent, Risa. And you have kept moving forward. I think that there are plenty of people trying to keep up with you because you just keep moving forward, no matter how many zigzags you encounter. I am just grateful for you sharing today and thank you for being a part of the show. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I wonder if you'd come back and let's talk about some strategies that you have put in place throughout your life that have been valuable to helping you to fight to overcome. Well, yes, ma'am. I'd be delighted. Fantastic. (laughs) Well, we will meet again. Thank you so much, Risa. Thank you.